Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. Hi, hi, I'm Jacques Pépin, and my new cookbook is Heart and Soul in the Kitchen. In addition to your new cookbook, Heart and Soul in the Kitchen, you have a PBS series called Heart and Soul. What can we expect with this new series? Maybe a bit more personal than I have done. This is the 13th series of 26 shows that I do with KQED in San Francisco. And, uh, but in, this, in, in, in several of them, I did two series, like Fast Food My Way, where actually I used the supermarket as a prep cook. Like in a professional restaurant, you have a prep cook boning out the chicken, uh, boning the fish, you know, slicing the shallot and so forth. Uh, there, uh, in those, I went to the supermarket and buy things like a prep cook, you know, a skinless, boneless breast of chicken, uh, pre-sliced mushroom, pre-washed spinach, and I could cook with a minimal amount of effort, you know, keep what I did. In other series, I insisted more on the technique of cooking. Well, in that series here, it's more a reflection of uh, the way we eat at home, and I cook with my granddaughter and with my daughter, and uh, uh, it is those recipes which are really mixed up, uh, uh, I mean, you, you may have a shirazi sushi. My wife loves sushi next to something which may have some, uh, uh, you know, some Mexican influence because we used to have an apartment in Mexico. Other, which goes back to my mother. Other, which goes back to Julia Child. So it's more of a, a memory trip, you know, throughout my life of what we eat at home and uh, even uh, the foraging and things like that or playing uh, bull with friends and uh, eating together so it is um, and then i have a fair amount of my my planning and menu in there so to illustrate the book you are a major influence on chefs home cooks and foodies around the world i don't i don't know about that (laughs) i would say so would now would you say your mother was your biggest influence probably yes i mean since i was five six years old you know, I was in a in a kitchen because uh, in my family, uh, in my family actually, I can count like seven restaurants in France, but the seven of them owned by women. Uh, I was the first male to go into that business, and uh, so that probably yes, what influenced me the most. This cookbook is stunning, and your watercolors throughout the book are really gorgeous. I noticed that the last chapter was entitled my mistake. What is your best advice for the home cook to avoid errors in the kitchen? Well, you know, mistake is, uh, there is nothing wrong with mistake. You know, you learn from mistake. And uh, it's, uh, sometimes it's good. And uh, frankly, if you have a glass of wine, after who cares? But uh, yes, I mean, you should, you should, you know, when you do a recipe, for me, uh, if I do a recipe, I would hope uh, that if you use my book, or any book for that matter, that you will follow the recipe exactly the way it is, at least one time, you know, the first time you do it. And uh, if it comes out good, then you're likely to do it again. And the second time you take a faster look at it, 
by the third time or fourth time you could improve it, you know, you like it with more tomato or less tomato or more of this, less of that, and uh, it's likely that uh, within a year, if you have done it five, six times, then you don't even remember where it comes from, and you have massaged it enough so that it fits your own style and your own personality, and it becomes your recipe. And I think that's a normal progression. And for me, it's gratifying if people do that this way, you know. But uh, not at the beginning. Uh, I have a friend I talked to last week, or someone called me, and they say, well, I never made a big burgundy. So I look at your recipe, and I look at Julian, and I look at Richard Olney or whatever, and I mix all of it together and did my own. No, this is not what I'm talking about, because you can make <laughs> a real mess. You should really, I think, follow it at least once. Uh, to know uh, whether it works or not. And then after, you make it your own. When I was a cookbook publicist, I had the pleasure of working on Pierre Frenet's last cookbook. What is uh, your fondest memory of him? Well, Pierre, you know, I worked 12, 12 years with Pierre Frenet. So he was like my older brother, and he was very, uh, you know, he influenced me a lot. I mean, I came to this country at the end of 1959, and I stopped working for him at the Pavilion in New York. And then after that, we both left to work for Howard Johnson. And I stayed there for 10 years with him, from 1960 to 1970. So Pierre was, uh, I was was very close to Pierre. And uh, he was a great man because he was really unpretentious and uh, uh, simple and uh, very honest and straightforward. So, uh, yeah, it was great to be with him and his whole family. I mean, when I first came to this country, I spent almost all my weekend in East Hampton, in the, you know, in his family. So, uh, and then eventually, uh, I would go there with Craig Leblon because Craig lived next to Pierre, and we became very friends. And in fact, uh, in 1966, Craig did my wedding uh, in uh, in his house, and Pierre was cooking, and I was cooking, <laughs> everyone was cooking. So let's talk about food memories. Is there one particular recipe that immediately takes you back to your childhood in France? Oh, many, many of those, you know. This is what uh, post, you know, in remembering a thing past, you know, called the affective memory, that is the memory of the senses, you know, the taste, the smell, the look, uh, you know, hearing and all that, which are different than the memory of the, the brain. You know, if, if you ask me where I was in 1958, when I was with the president, I can uh, think about it and kind of uh, recall, and my memory would take me there. But if I walk in the wood with my dog without thinking of anything in particular, and I, all of a sudden I smell mushroom, then all of a sudden I'm 12 years old doing mushrooming with my father or my, my brother. So those are the effective memory of the smell. And as a professional chef, you know, uh, you rely on that much more than uh, than the written recipe. I mean, you could uh, put me on the table and uh, uh, with my eye closed, and you'll give me uh, a piece of fish, and I will tell you this is the striped bass we used to do at the plaza at uh, at the pavilion in New York. Or this is the lobster souffle we used to do at the plaza and in Paris. Those taste are uh, uh, embedded in my, in my brain, you know. So, and when you duplicate a recipe, that's what you look for. You look for that taste, not necessarily following a typewritten page. You know, you look and you add until you reach that taste, and that's what making a recipe is all about, duplicating a taste. 
I know that there is one food that you cannot live without, the egg. In your new cookbook, Heart and Soul in the Kitchen, you talk about the perfectly cooked eggs that you and James Beard had in 1976 at Chez Panisse. Oh, yes, right. What is the key to perfectly cooked eggs? Well, this is just what the hard-cooked eggs. And uh, notice that I say hard-cooked rather than hard-boiled eggs, because theoretically it shouldn't boil too much, just a very, very light boil. Otherwise, the boiling will toughen the egg white, which is the albumin, and make it tough. But basically, uh, there is different way of doing it. But for me, I make a little hole on the rounder side of the hole with a with a uh, with a push pin, you know, uh, and uh, and pack. And I made a hole, and there is the air chamber. When I put that uh, eggs in boiling water, all the pressure is. You can see like a little uh, volcano coming out of there, and that prevents the eggs from cracking in the water. And then you leave it 10 minutes this way. But what happens is that when you put it in boiling water, you know, the heat goes into the egg, and the sulfur in the egg white get away from the heat, goes around the yolk, and uh, it creates that green tinge uh, with the reaction with the iron all around the yolk. So as soon as the egg is cooked, you pour out the hot water, you shake the pan to crack the shell a little bit, and you put cold water and ice on top, and then you have an egg with no green around the yolk, with the egg white, which is kind of tender, uh, just cooked, and that's a perfectly cooked egg, and that's the one that I had at Chez Panisse. I'm sure you didn't want as much explanation as this, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell us about your neighbor who raises the laying hens. Oh, yes. I mean, I have a terrific... Uh, uh, lady here from Jamaica who uh, has about 50 chickens and uh, so I go there and she has some duck as well and then I go there to get my eggs and uh, they are fantastic and uh, certainly because you know it's, it's, it's the chicken is free and it walk around so it gives you good eggs and uh, that's quality you know so and frankly it used to be difficult to get like organic eggs but now you have that in all the market, and frankly, if you pay uh, four dollars a dozen of eggs rather than uh, rather than two fifty, it's a difference of like fifteen cents or whatever for any egg. So it's really uh, it's really nothing at all, and so there is no excuse not to buy good quality eggs now. Last night for dinner, I made your recipe for eggs in pepper boats on page one hundred. Oh. How did it turn out? The peppers were so nice and soft, and the yolk was perfectly runny. Yeah, and then, see, that, that's what I mean when you can. So you can start uh, uh, fooling around with that recipe after you've done it a couple of times. You put another type of cheese, or you put some chopped uh, ham in the bottom, or right. you put some other thing that you may have in your refrigerator, you know. And uh, you get the principle and you do it, or you do it into a, a bell pepper, which is much larger, so you put two eggs in it, you know. So, uh, yes, there is a lot of variation you can do with that. After more than 60 years of cooking, you have taught us that you cannot cook great food without mixing love into it. Thank you so much for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.